Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis Show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Before we dive headfirst in today's groundbreaking and perspective-altering episode, I want to share a 60-second audio with you explaining my digital holistic nutrition certification program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is a brand new recording, and I'm really excited to share it with you, so indulge me for 60 seconds and enjoy. Welcome to Holistic Health Mastery, the master's class of natural nutrition. This unique online certification program offers unparalleled wisdom on health, living foods, detoxification, longevity, and personal empowerment. Access a curriculum designed to offer far beyond the traditional teachings of nutrition, merging ancient wisdom with cutting-edge science, all delivered through an easy-to-use platform. Study each lesson at the comfort of your own home, on any device. Access over 70 video lessons and start from anywhere in the program. You are in control of the pace, where even a daily 20-30 to 30 minute investment is enough to complete the course within six months. Once you're ready, take the quiz and you're on your way to be certified as a holistic health master. In addition, you'll have access to extra features, such as monthly student support calls and an online community of students and masterminds actively discussing and sharing insights to support your education. It's time to invest in yourself and in future generations to come. Join the new leaders of natural nutrition and become a significant part of building a new paradigm in health and consciousness. So there you have it. That is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, and I'm so excited to continue to share this amazing opportunity with people all over the world. We have over 200 plus students from all over the world, and it's constantly growing. The feedback that I get on this is just really amazing, beyond my original expectations. So if you want to find out more information about this, you want to get in more details, you want to review the curriculum, or you're just ready to enroll right now, go to holistichealthmastery.com. And if you enter in the coupon code R-O-N-L-E-E, that's Ron Lee, you're going to get 10% off your enrollment fee, which can be pretty significant depending on which plan you choose for yourself. Again, that link is holistichealthmastery.com. Use the coupon code Ron Lee. All right, let's jump into today's show with my good friend, Lindsay Carey. And what a show we have for you today. What an incredible topic to be discussing autism spectrum disorder and there's possibly no better person to bring on to really magnify this particular topic because this is something that she not only educates people on based on research and information 
but it's a topic that she has had to become intimately aware of due to the fact that her young boy, Dominic, actually became autistic or was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and really had to go through a tumultuous experience for a number of years upon receiving a series of vaccines after his birth. An otherwise very healthy child automatically became unhealthy to an extremely severe degree upon the introduction of a number of vaccines. And, you know, I've, be, I've become more and more a voice for this message to really educate people on the dangers of vaccines and um, the really the agenda that's going on behind the curtains. And that's why this particular conversation is just so near and dear to my heart because you really get a visceral experience to some degree of a mother's perspective who has had to have this put in her face, to have no alternative around it because her son had to suffer the ramifications of those vaccines that, that in her experience, her upfront experience is the thing that's tipped the scales for her son Dominic to become autism or autistic in this case, to suffer from autistic autism spectrum disorder as it's often caused or as it's often called. Excuse me. There's a little bit of emotion writing through me as I really as I re- I really try to be present and mindful of this conversation that you're about to experience because it's just something that touches my heart. It's so near and dear. It's so unfortunate that this has to happen not only to her son, Dominic, but to so many children all around the world. The statistics are staggering, and I'll leave it up to you to do your own research after you finish this conversation. So much of the information has been provided for you through this conversation, and we certainly touch on other aspects of health and nutrition, such as food allergies, food addictions, and things of that nature that Lindsay has really uh, dedicated her life to educating people all around the world, especially parents out there, on how to um, really either bypass these issues that she's had to experience or simply remedy these issues as well. Because one of the great kind of hero stories of this particular story is that Her son, Dominic, has completely rebounded from this this autistic diagnosis and the very real physical symptoms, the neurological and physical symptoms that he had to endure through the formative years, the, the very early formative years of his life. And so there is... A silver, a silver lining to this story. There is hope, there is inspiration, and there are solutions available to everyone. And Lindsay shares her experience of taking Dominic through a series of modalities, especially changing his diet from information that she received from a very well-known doctor in the field that focuses specifically on autism and how to 
quote unquote, reverse it, and at the very least, how to remedy it. And I just think that you are going to get so much depth of perspective. You're going to get so much clarity. And I really hope and believe that you are going to get so much inspiration for solutions that exist and that are going to inspire you for a more, uh, just a more powerful future, whether it's your own health that you're concerned about, or it's the health of your children, your family, the children of other people's families. I mean, this is an issue that affects everybody. It affects our global economic system. It affects our the, the civilization, that the trajectory of civilization as we know it. It affects every area of life. And I'll leave it at that. I want to really just take this moment to take a deep breath, to be intentional and mindful as you embark on this deep conversation uh, between me and Lindsay on a topic that's just so near and dear to my heart. And I really believe that if not already, it will become more more near and dear to your heart as well. So without further ado, Lindsay Carey, enjoy. Lindsay Carey is the founder of Real Yummy Food and a pioneer in the world of healing autism with food. After being distressed by her son's severe autism diagnosis, she spent every waking hour researching and testing ways to help her son and family. What she found was astonishing. She's filming her son's recovery and sharing it with the world in her upcoming documentary, Leaving the Spectrum. She also shares easy-to-make, nutritious recipes while promoting clean eating in a non-toxic environment on her blog. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, it's so much my pleasure. And, you know, we've been connecting a lot more in the last, I I think, like, I want to say, like, two months and really... Uh, you know, I've gotten a real good feel for you as a person and gotten a lot more um, into what your focus is. You know, it's it's amazing, really. Like like I was sharing before we got on the call, this is a topic that I have not, um, I had just haven't been able to put the magnifying glass on to the extent that I've want. I've had one of my colleagues, Dr. Roy Dittman, who's one of the world's leading authorities on child development and pregnancy and he talks and one of his focuses is actually autism and helping children one of his life missions is really helping to um you know helping children with autism and and mothers know what they you know just knowing how to be preventative and that's one of his life's missions and that's what really put it on my radar actually i think obviously i knew about this but sometimes things don't really like get really real for you until someone brings it up or or you have to deal with it in your own life like obviously you have so that was kind of the first time I was really like wow like this is this is a humongous deal so anyways I'm really excited to to jump into it with you and I know it's going to be amazing for everyone listening um so before we before we dive full on, I would love to just hear a little bit about how you started your own personal health journey. I don't know if it was if it was really when your son um, had a diagnosis or before that you got really into more of a healthy lifestyle. Can you share that with us? Sure, most definitely. Actually, you might be surprised, but 
I didn't really start tackling my own health journey until much later after I tackled my son's. Um, his, his autism was so severe and upon researching everything that I needed to do for him, he was just my priority and my focus for the last three and a half years. And just in the last year and a half, I've started tackling my own health journey. So um, obviously, the more, um, the more that I've approached my own healing, the more I've been able to help him. So that's been, you know, really, really wonderful for me. Um, but really, he was my priority for the first few years. It, um, and I'm, I did eat a lot healthier than I used to. Um, but I really didn't start doing the things that were necessary for my own healing until just recently. Um, mm, interesting. Um, okay, so then that gives us a good, a good um, way to start with that then. Let's, let's really touch upon, you know, kind of give us like a recap of your experience. Like when, when, you know, like just take us back. Like when your son was diagnosed, like... Um, yeah, that's kind of what, I, what I'm trying to formulate the question here. Um, yeah, I just really want to know, like, what was that like um, when you received that diagnosis? And just take us there for a moment, if we can. Sure, I'll start over at the very beginning. Um, you know, Dominic, um, is he's six years old now. And so six years ago, he was born, he was perfectly healthy, um, perfectly healthy, happy baby boy. Everybody said he was very advanced. You know, I was the happiest mom. Um, at about four and a half months old, I took him into the doctor to be vaccinated. Mm. Um, well, I took him for a wellness check and they told me, you know, I needed to vaccinate him and catch him up on the schedule. And although I was wary about the risks, they, you know, convinced me that it was safe and in the best interest of my child. So we went through, they um, put him on a catch-up schedule and gave him nine vaccines that day. He went lethargic for two weeks and he changed after that. He just was never the same. Um, every photo and video before that, he was a completely typical baby looking right at the camera, smiling, happy. Every photo and video after that, he, it was the back of his head. He was not smiling anymore. He didn't look at me anymore. Um, I didn't know what happened at the time, unfortunately. You know, I think there was a part of me that knew something was wrong, but I just, you know, swallowed it. And he was the first baby I had ever held. So I really didn't have any other experience with children. So I just really justified it. You know, I was just like, oh, he's just curious or, oh, he's he's just really smart. He's just really interested in the environment. You know, he's more interested in objects than people. And I really just made excuses for a long time. And I did take him to the doctor. Um, he was extremely picky with his foods. And I took him to the doctor and he wasn't talking. And, you know, all the doctors just told me, oh, he's perfectly fine. You know, if he's not talking in a year, come back. All children are pick eaters I mean wow. so it's really sad looking back because early intervention is key to success with healing autism and I was looking for answers you know and I just wasn't finding them for a long time 
Um, I didn't realize he had autism until he was three years old, actually. And um, it was when he started having meltdowns and they became out of control. Um, so before that, he he wasn't very social, but he wasn't having meltdowns or anything. He was a very easy, easy child. Um, but at three, he started having hour-long meltdowns for no reason that I could tell at all. Um, and, you know, I would take him to the park and he would just run away and not look back. He would just run. And so I started doing some research and I self-diagnosed him that he had autism just by doing research with all the red flags. And I took him to the doctors and they confirmed that he had autism and I had also done a ton of research and seen that there were um, people, doctors, um, saying that they had recovered their children from autism through diet and through detox. And so when I went to the doctor and he confirmed that my son had autism, I asked him about diet and I asked him about heavy metals and I you know, wanted to get all those tests and the doctors just laughed at me. He told me that there was no evidence that diet helps. Um, <laughs> he And then he told me that all I could do was put my son on Ritalin and in therapy, and it's a lifelong disorder, and you know, that's all that I could do. And he also told me that, you know, he didn't really have any experience with autism, and he called me later that day to tell me what the Academy of, of Pediatrics said you know, which is that diet, there's no evidence that diet helps. And so pretty much I was done with him. <laughs> mm. um, I didn't believe him. I didn't want to drug my child. And I believed the other stories that I had read. Um, one story in particular by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, who wrote The GAPS Diet, which stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome. She's from the UK, and she says that she recovered her son with this diet and thousands of her patients. So, and I also had read about gluten-free and dairy-free and how so many parents were saying that, that, were, that those diets were helping their children. Mm -hmm. So I went straight home. I threw out everything in my pantries. <laughs> I, threw, I got rid of everything. I, unfortunately, though, what I thought I was doing correctly for the first year, I've later found that that wasn't the best I could have done. So the first year on this journey, I was still giving my son very processed foods. I was buying him gluten-free waffles and, you know, gluten-free items, boxed items at the store. And I thought I was doing a good job. And actually, when I did do that and went switched to gluten-free and dairy-free, within two months, my son's eye contact started coming back. And he started smiling at me again. So before that, he just would have a completely blank face, no emotional response, and it just broke my heart. And he had zero eye contact. Um, if he was having a tantrum, I would hold his face there and ask him to look at me, and his eyes would just dart around. I, like He just wasn't there. He would sit in the corner with his back to me, just spinning wheels and lining up cars all day long, hours on end. So two months into the diet and the eye contact starts coming back, the emotional response starts coming back, I knew I was on the right path. Um, 
so a year into it, I actually moved to another state and I kept going further down the journey and I started cooking everything from scratch. I got rid of all my processed foods and I also entered a federal study on Qigong massage for children with autism. And the same day that I cut out processed foods and started the massage, he started sleeping through the night. So mm. before that, he was only sleeping about two to three hours per night. And same day, he starts sleeping eight to ten hours a night with the massage and cutting out processed foods. But even then, I was still giving him, you know, very heavy carbs, very heavy starches, fruits, very sugary foods, all the things that he was really addicted to. Um, next, I found out about candida. And so I started the candida diet. And I cut all sugars, all carbs, all starch. And this was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but I was so convinced that you know, these foods were going to heal my child. Um, although he would have meltdowns from me putting a plate, you know, of healthy food in front of him. I just did everything I could, you know, I just took it step by step in the beginning. It was, you know, take one bite of this and you can have your plate of, you know, plantains or whichever fruit or, you know, starchy item he did like. And within a couple weeks, you know, that one bite turned to two bites, turned to three bites, and then he was eating a whole plate. And we were able to switch him off into the candida diet. When we did that, he broke out all over his body. Um, he actually bled a little bit on his shoulder. It looked like acne, but I assume it was candida die-off. But he had it all over his chest, all over his butt, his face, his shoulders. It was horrible. However, I knew, you know, I'd read that this was the die-off, and so I was confident that it was working, and then he started talking. He was completely nonverbal before the candida diet. Mm. And so at four years old, right after we did that, he starts talking with echolalia, which is just repeating my words. So if I would say something, he would say it back. Like, kind of like a parrot. Yes. Just like a parrot. Okay. <laughs> and so, again, I knew, you know, I was on the right track. Um, next, we started the GAPS diet. And that was also very difficult. Um, we had, we tried to go to intro. It's a six-stage diet intended for healing. But we had to start at full GAPS, which has more variety, and work our way back towards intro. And we actually had to stay on intro for about six months because every time I, my son would be doing amazing on intro and then I would be like, wow, he's doing so good. So I would move him on to the next stage mm -hmm. and add a new food in and he would regress. What, um, if I can ask, um, sure. if you can think of like any one or two of those foods that caused that regression, what, what were those out of curiosity? Um, in the beginning, it could have been eggs. Um, okay. Eggs caused regression. Bananas mm. were horrible. Horrible, okay. My son, yeah. I remember one time he was just being amazing, and I had taken bananas out for a couple weeks, and so I tried to give him one again, and within 10 minutes, he ripped his shirt off and was hitting himself in the face. Wow. My son just 
always reacted to everything <laughs> we've okay. done. Got it. So, um, yeah, so I tell a lot of people, you know, so many people think, you know, a couple weeks is enough or a couple months is enough. It's mm. not. It's, mm. it's a slow, slow healing process. Mm. That's a, you know what? That's a really great point that you just brought up. And it's interesting for me because I'll often, um, I'll often share that same thing with almost anyone that I'm working with because what I find is that obviously in the context that we're talking about, um, it's a little bit different. We're talking about, you know, a young child with autism, which is a very extreme condition. Um, but I find psychologically with anyone, one of the biggest things is that we are kind of an instant gratification um, culture that's really impatient. And so, you know, when this when these things come up of like, okay, wow, like, okay, it's been two weeks, it's been three, four weeks, um, and somebody gets like a little hint of like, oh, things are starting to work, or they think like, oh, well, it's been four weeks, my life isn't transformed yet. It's like, Okay, well, hold on, because it took you a long time to get to where you're at. It's going to take you a little time to get to where you want to be. And um, it seems to me that, you know, uh, and you can obviously speak more to this as a parent. Um, It seems to me when we're dealing with the health of our children, um, a lot of times it's more the attitude of the parent that is really is really key than necessarily that of the child. Most definitely. I completely agree. I've actually created an internet group now where I share everything that I've done. And I've spoken to many, many mothers um, personally about my journey. And I've even coached some. And it is heartbreaking to me how many parents won't do the diet or Mm -hmm. only give it about two weeks. And then give up. That's amazing. I just have to, I just want to say this real quick because you brought this point up earlier. The doctor told you, and I'm sure the doctor probably told every one of these people that (laughs) this is a lifelong condition. And the fact that somebody is like apprehensive or they're like, or two or three weeks is like um, too much, it, it actually. My brain can't can't compute it. Actually, it's it's too much for my brain to even compute those two different things. Um, you know, it's, it just kind of feeds back into this idea that we really have to exercise kind of common sense. Like, the, okay, the doctor just told you that your son or daughter is going to have this for life. So how how are you not going to take the long view when you're looking at you know potentially healing them? Mm-hmm. And I don't put all the blame on these parents. I know they're going to their doctors, and some of these doctors are even discouraging diet changes. Right. And so, so you they're know, scared. Yeah, they are. Mm. I've I've had parents um, tell me that with the diet changes, they're scared of CPS getting involved. I've actually heard of a story where CPS did get involved because of a child's diet. Um, I think it's extremely important <laughs> how how these parents go about it, how careful they are um, Mm. about it and working with the schools. Um, I know when I had Dominic in a daycare in Oregon, um, this, the daycare lady told me that I needed a doctor's note for them to not give my son milk. And I said, you know, I said, if you're going to give my son milk, when I told you not to, I am not going to bring my son here. Right. And she said, well, I'm just letting you know the law, but we won't, you know. 
So, I mean, I understand that these parents are getting different information from their medical providers, but I'm just trying to spread the truth and share my experience. And everybody I know who has done the diet has seen the same success and the same results time and time again. These kids get better. What seems to be the difference maker, um, almost in all cases, are the people that take the initiative to actually do research. And and even if somebody's working with me, you know, it's hard for me to just say like, okay, you have to do this. The only time I really do that is when I recognize that that person um, is not willing to actually take it upon themselves to find the information or to seek it out. So I feel like I have to actually tell them to do something but I don't like to do that but it's it's you know I think kind of the point that you're you're making and what separates someone like you from maybe a lot of other people in the population that are confused is that they are taking the doctor's word or the person at the school or the quote-unquote law as the holy gospel and they're you know it's kind of it's like okay well that's what they told me so they must know best Mm-hmm. And I think this is it's so important. I talk about positive thinking and beliefs. Um, I think that's really what sets me apart from so many people is that I believed that food was going to heal my kids. So there was no other way. Right. I was going to figure out a way. I was going to win. My kid was going to mm. eat that food. Mm. You know? And so many, so many of these parents, these kids are addicted to, oh my God, Ronnie, it's horrible. I've had parents tell me that all their children will eat are pizza and chicken nuggets and french fries. Uh, and I, like, yeah. my heart just breaks. I, I feel, I, when you talk about this, I, I feel it too. It's almost like, you know, this whole intuitive eating thing, it's, 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 it's interesting to me, um, just, just on that note, is like, some people will actually validate those um, those cravings or those those you know those chemical addictions, those habit addictions, by saying, "Oh, well, that must be what's what is good for me or what my body wants," because obviously that my intuition is guiding me to that. It's like, no, actually, there's probably an infection, like a candida inside of you, that's guiding you to that, and you have to actually, you know, like what you're talking about. Like, I think belief is the cornerstone of everything and so and for a parent like i'm just really i just want to like say this like thank you for exercising that conviction um when there may not have been a whole lot of uh, i guess what you'd say evidence or a whole lot of other people shouting from the mountaintop that you can do it and that there is a better way thank you for taking upon yourself to find that better way Thank you. Um, you know, for the first couple years of this journey, I felt so isolated. Um, so I do understand what these other parents are going through because I was, even my own family thought I was crazy. You mm. know, the therapists I went to, all the doctors, they, they laughed at me. You know, they one, literally laughed at you. They literally laughed at me. The oh. doctor, the first doctor I went to literally laughed at me. And one lady looked at me and said, you think the food is doing this to your son? And I said, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> what you put um, in your mouth has some kind of effect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just, they really thought I was just nuts. Wow. And so I get it. You know, um, one Christmas party at my family's house, 
you know, we're a few months on gaps and my dad, I look over and my dad's giving my son a peanut butter cookie. And I was just talking to him about the diet. I mean, I don't even think it was intentional. It's just such second nature Mm -hmm. to give a child a cookie in society that people just don't get it. That, you know, no matter how much you try to explain it, it's just very new information. It's I almost think. like autopilot, right? Like you just told him not like you just explained <laughs> this to him and then he goes and, you know, it's it's I, I, I don't want to digress too much. And that's a whole nother can of worms for me personally. But um, that that's interesting. Yeah. So I felt, you know, very isolated for years from mm. all of my own family members. And so I can understand why other people, you know, don't do it. I just had that such strong belief belief in it. So it wasn't until I met my partner, Jason, two years ago, he was the very first person who ever believed Mm. in me and my son's recovery. Okay. Um, Okay. I want to, I want to, I want to put a magnifying glass on that for a moment then if we can. So what, what I just got is that Jason, your partner, who's a good friend as well, he he was the first person that believed in you. And that appears to me to have created a, a ripple effect or like a changing of the tides. Yes, it, it definitely was. Um, so when I'm, well, actually, I guess the first person that believed with me, I, I did meet another doctor, Dr. Mm. Green before I met Jason and Dr. Green only works exclusively with children with autism. So he did reassure me that everything I thought was going on was in fact going on. And we did run blood tests, um, stool tests, saliva tests, and we did confirm that there were serious underlying issues. Um, but yeah, Jason was the first personal person in my life that believed in me. Mm -hmm. And so when I met him, um, our relationship moved really fast. Um, within four weeks, he had moved us into his house, <laughs> and he oh. um, and he said, "We're going to do this. We're going to heal your son." He he said that he had a conversation with God before he met me. Wow! He just knew, and um, he had been on his own health journey for at least ten years before meeting me. And he had ADHD, and he had a gluten intolerance, and he knew food affected him, so he understood on a new level that nobody else I had met ever did. Mm, this, uh, the, um, the plot thickens, as they say for <laughs> me. This gets more interesting. Just because I know Jason, I've gone to know you, so now it's like some of the pieces are coming together for me. Um, but I just, I, you know, I don't want to go too deep on this, but I do want to bring it up because I think it's a valuable point. Um, just from an empowerment perspective, because I've been saying recently that sometimes when you don't believe in yourself, you need somebody, you need to know somebody else believes in you. Or if you're working with someone, the power of somebody else believing in them, um, sometimes that's the very thing that allows somebody to get over that that challenge or that doubt that keeps creeping up. Um, Most definitely, because even though I had that strong belief before meeting Jason, you know, doubt creeps in, especially as a parent, you know, there's, especially when it's you against the rest of the world, right. as it feels, you know, there's times where you just, you know, doubt yourself and you just think, am I, you know, do I just need to accept things the way they are, you know? And so it is a struggle as a parent between acceptance and wanting the best for your child, mm. you know? Yeah. 
Okay. This is, this is wonderful. Um, so, you know, I, I was just recently looking at one of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control statistics from 2014, and it said that one in 68 children is projected to have autism spectrum disorder. Um, and that's very, I mean, that's, that's just crazy and frightening. But also, I, there's a recent statistic from the same organization that says one in four people should be expected to have some form of cancer. Um, and cancer is a huge one on my personal radar, probably the same way autism is for you, like cancer is for me in terms of my research and my focus. So um, I, first of all, I find that just really crazy, but I also find a lot of hope because I also see how many people are kind of like championing these messages and are coming out to the forefront to speak about that and to say, hey, look, it's not doom or gloom, and this is what I did, and this is what we're seeing as evidence that, hey, look, people are actually not only improving and modifying these conditions, but they're actually reversing it and getting back to normal, or in a lot of cases, getting to a place that they were a lot better off than before they contracted this condition or, or you know, whatever have you. Um, so with that said, uh, you know, what, can we get into the details of what exactly, you know, a lot of people don't really know what the GAPS diet is and they don't know like what exactly you did, um, you know, play by play, you know, to take your son from, from basically being, um, you know, not really there, not really having the lights on to making full eye contact to be like totally alive again. Definitely. So many people ask me, you know, what can I do or what's the number one thing you did? And I always say the number one thing is food. You know, we eat three times a day. <laughs> I, I think that's our priority. But I've done so many things and I don't think you can just do one thing mm -hmm. to have optimal recovery. Um, when I first met Dr. Green and we ran all the tests, we found that my son was extremely high in many different heavy metals mm -hmm. and other toxins. Um, his nutritional deficiencies were off the charts. Um, he had abnormal gut, gut flora and tons of food allergies, which Dr. Green said were not really food allergies, but were leaky gut and that yes. his body was attacking the foods he was eating. Yes. And so as heartbreaking as it was to see those results, I knew that I now had a starting point and that those issues could be addressed. So that was enlightening to see that there were, you know, real issues. Um, so we did do some chelation in my doctor's office. Um, we also do other things for detox. We do um, Epsom salt baths. These used to make a huge difference for Dominic. It used to be like night and day. If I didn't give him an Epsom salt bath the next day, I would have to say something to him 30 or 40 times for him to look at me. If I gave him an Epsom salt bath, he would hear me the first or second time. Wow. Um, we started doing baking soda baths. They're antifungal. Um, we, you know, put apple cider vinegar in his baths. You know, we tried to be alkalizing. Um, but the GAPS diet was really a game changer. Um, intro 
is just so important. And what it's made up of is mostly bone broths um, and vegetables. That's pretty much it. Um, they do allow a little bit of fruit in between meals, but I combined the gaps and candida diets and just left the fruit out since we had so much success with that. Can I, out of curiosity, do they specify what kind of fruits they recommend? She really doesn't. Okay. In the book. And in the book, she does say so many times that each person is completely individual and that with each food needs to be tested. You know, you need to go to an elimination diet where you mm -hmm. pretty much eliminate everything <laughs> except, you know, the bone broths and vegetables. And then you add things in one at a time and wait for reaction. So it's very, very slow, you know, but I did it. I did it step by step and I even did it more restrictive. Um, just, we found just the best results when Dominic was just eat on the intro diet. And like I said, so many times we'd see progress and I'd move forward too fast and we'd have to go back to square one again for the, you know, to see more progress. So um, I think it took him about six months of drinking the bone broth to seal his leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And now he doesn't react to any foods anymore. I can now give him all the things that he was allergic to and he's completely fine with all of them. Interesting. This is really interesting to me. I, you know, it's it's so interesting the synchronicity for me because um, many years ago I had put such a huge focus on a diversity of digestive issues, and I've written a lot about it and talked a lot about it. Um, and leaky gut keeps coming up as the numero uno underlining number one underlining condition that kind of like it roots itself in underneath the rug so basically whenever someone is starting to notice like these bloating issues these digestive agitations they have foggy thinking and they're like oh it's it's just candida it's like yeah that that's probably true but what propagated the candida in the first place and it always seems to come back down to some kind of um intestinal permeability which you know was leaky gut is is technically um termed um and i just i just think this is so important to talk about because the moment i got really deep into this and i started to observe it um a little bit in myself a few years ago and i had to actually patch up some things going on with me and then started to observe it in pretty much everyone that i came across that had some kind of chronic thing going on it just became overwhelmingly obvious that, like, wow, this appears to be um, correlated with almost every single major imbalance that I'm witnessing. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so with that, you know, with that said, um, bone broth is a huge one. Um, were there any other things that, that were kind of like recommended or that you did, um, specifically for the leaky gut in conjunction? Um, really just making, just being a hundred percent percent strict. So I think that's why, uh, meeting Jason was really a big, big pivotal point in this because before that I was working, you know, three jobs and I had my kids in two different daycares. I was driving him to the school of autism and then to another daycare after that between jobs. And, you know, these schools were not always keeping him away from the foods. So some, you know, I went after that, this one daycare, I told him, you know, he's only to have whatever I bring him. I noticed that he was regressing every Monday 
every Monday he was having a really tough day and wow. he would only go there on the weekends. So I went to this lady and I asked her, I said, he's having rough Mondays. Is he getting into another food? And she goes, oh, I give him apple juice. It's just apple juice. All the other kids have it and he wanted some. I just about died. I'm like, oh my God. So I mean... When I moved in with Jason, he said, you know, you're going to stay home. We're going to do the gaps diet 100%. We're going to be extremely strict. And I think that was so pivotal because before, you know, if you're doing gaps 95%, you're not doing gaps. You know, if, if they're getting those sugary foods or foods that are going to permeate that leaky gut, you know, you're just going to keep fighting yourself. You're not going to get through it, you know. Um, so, I mean, other than that, we, I think, was extremely important was I removed all toxins from our household environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting because I had read, you know, I started buying, like, gluten-free shampoos. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And I started buying, like, <laughs> hypoallergenic everything. And a couple months into it, Dominic was doing so great. And I had this big bottle of Johnson and Johnson baby shampoo sitting there. And I thought, oh, it can't be that bad, can it? I put some on him. And within a few minutes, he was screaming and hitting himself in the head. Yeah. We had to change mattresses. I found out that mattresses are covered in formaldehyde. All kinds of horrible things. Pesticides. I had to start buying everything 100% organic. Everything pasture raised. I had to change mattresses, pillows, shampoos, conditioners, dish soap, cookware. I found out Teflon and all these things are toxic and plastic and food storage. Oh my God. You know, anybody would just could feel so overwhelmed by the process, but I think it's important, you know, to just take it step by step and do what you can Mm -hmm. little by little, you know, and eventually I did it. And I think it just made a huge difference, especially like laundry detergent. Um, two years ago, Dominic wouldn't wear a shirt ever. He would just not wear clothes, just, you know, he would just rip them off no matter what, in the grocery store. He'd only leave a shirt on for a couple minutes. But when I started changing out everything in the home environment, a lot of those sensory difficulties just faded away. Then he started wearing two shirts, then, you know, then a jacket on top of it. And, you know, I mean, just all the sensory things. Like, he used to not let me brush his hair or his teeth. Now he brushes his own hair and his own teeth. And he dresses himself and... You know, all these things, I think, you know, we're absorbing all these toxins through our skin Mm -hmm. and um, and in the air, you know. And I just don't think people, a lot of people just don't understand how sensitive these children are. Right. Uh, So I think that's really important. Even a couple months after I started seeing Dr. Green and we had done all the tests, and we were doing the diet and everything. We retested. And we even found out that some of Dominic's toxins had gone up. So even though I was doing all this stuff, you know, you just have to search your home and find out where they can possibly be exposed to these things. And you got to eliminate it. Mm. Um, I also think a huge key in Dominic's recovery was removing electronics. Mm-hmm. He used to be extremely addicted to his electronics, um, iPad or television. 
And when I found out, you know, how those can be very harmful, electromagnetic fields and whatnot, um, and removed those, I saw huge progress. And, you know, one thing our doctor said is, you know, you don't want him staring at the screen because that's, it's just not productive. He's already antisocial at that point. Mm. We want him to be social. We want to be doing more things that are going to, you know, open him up. So staring at a screen is like the least social thing <laughs> we could be doing. So I think that helped too. I mean, there were just so many things we did. I rubbed, you know, frankincense essential oils on his feet at night, lots of massage, you know, lots of baths. We really didn't do um, much therapy because Dominic couldn't focus or anything. You know, it wasn't productive. Really, for us, it was just diet and removing toxins and mm -hmm. detoxing. And then he came back to me. Um, you know, a year ago, he was still in diapers. He could only say maybe 10 words um, inappropriately and randomly throughout the day. And um, now he's going to school. He's reading above grade level. Mm. He's writing perfectly legibly. He's starting to ask questions a couple weeks ago. He's now asking me questions. He's starting to answer questions. He's, he can tell me everything. He knows what everything is. And he's been narrating everything. You know, the sky is blue. The clouds are white. Like, let's go outside. Like, very much narrating. It's raining. Um, but now he's starting to answer and ask questions. And it's just beautiful. Every, every step of the healing journey has just been so incredible to me um now he's completely social he plays with his sister every day they hold hands everywhere they go a year ago if i took dominic to a grocery store it was just a nightmare ronnie <laughs> like if he saw a toy that he liked he would just lose it he would have a meltdown he'd kick and scream and cry people would stare at me now, everywhere we go, he just spreads joy and love. Mm. He gives hugs. He goes up to little kids and hugs them and says hi and waves. He knows everybody's name. I mean, it's just, it's a completely different world. He doesn't hit himself anymore. He's, he's just amazing. He eats uh, the healthiest I've ever seen. He loves all his food. He drinks green juice, eats coconut kefir. Um, he just eats so healthy. He drinks sauerkraut juice, you know, just <laughs> everything. Green juice with no fruits, just like ginger, celery, cucumbers. And he'll just drink it like that. And he just loves it. He's the healthiest person I know now. <laughs> so it's, it's been quite the journey. It's so amazing. You know, I was just thinking to myself, Oftentimes, children that have really extreme setbacks like this, it's almost like a setup for an incredible breakthrough in human potential. I'm thinking about stories about children that have had cerebral palsy, which is a um, basically like a complete immobilization of the arms and legs. And the obviously the consensus is that, oh, well, your child is going to have this lifelong condition, right? 
That's the normal story that everyone hears. But the power of belief is so staggering because there's stories of parents who did not buy into that and they found a doctor after like nine or ten opinions and finally found a doctor that said, no, there is hope, but you're going to have to really push this child and force them to like move and walk and do push-ups and, you know, really like regain their faculties. And then when you see these you see some of these children after they're, you know, they've gone through this life, this like young lifelong process in junior high and high school. There's a story I remember of a, of a child who was given that kind of like lifelong sent, uh, sentence. And then in high school, he's like the top of his class, not just academically, but as an athlete. You know, it's like, oh my God, wait a minute, what is this whole human potential story going on here and so it's interesting like I just have a feeling that Dominic is going to somehow there's like a seed planted in him where he's not going to take this for granted you know what I mean like he is something's going to get activated within him that um, is going to supersede all the limitations that have been imposed upon him And, and I feel like that with any child really that has these challenges like it's really like it's an opportunity if we're willing to see it that way. Most definitely. Uh, you know, so many people I speak to are, you know, seeing doom and gloom, you know, these poor families that have been affected by this. And I just see it as an opportunity and an opportunity to learn, to grow, to heal, and now to help others. Yes. You know? to share all the mistakes that I made for years. You know, if I knew three years ago what I knew now, you know, it would have been much faster. But we've been on this for three and a half years, and every step of the way I just kept learning and kept learning. You know, I just didn't give up. You know, it's so important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you wouldn't be influencing so many people out there that have had these this challenge, you know. It's it's really amazing. you know, with the time we have left, too, let's talk about your documentary coming up, Leaving the Spectrum. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny, but um, a few years ago when I found out about autism recovery and I found out how very little people were even aware that there was such a thing, um, I decided it was that I was going to film him recovering and I was going to make a documentary of it. I just knew it. I'm just like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to heal my son. I'm going to film it. And then I'm going to show the world because there's so many stories out there of healing a child with autism, like Jenny McCarthy, for instance, she healed her son's autism. And then after the fact, people say, oh, well, if she did that, then her child didn't really have autism to begin with. And so I said, you know, I'm going to film it and I'm going to prove it because seeing is believing for so many people. So, you know, you can't deny it. So I've been filming him. um, And I asked my doctor at the time, since he only works with children with autism, um, I said, has anybody ever done this? And he said, no. And I said, why? Why do people not film this? And he said, because nobody wants to film the problem. Mm. And it is hard. You know, I have all these hours like 60 gigs of my son screaming hitting himself in the face you know running in circles just I you know I'm putting together the documentary and the trailer right now and it's heartbreaking to watch these things you know um so I can't imagine you know I ask a lot of parents too do you have before and after video because a lot of other parents who've recovered their kids have reached out to me and almost none of them do nobody really wants to film 
you know, their kid do self harming themselves um, and whatnot. So, um, so I've been doing that and, you know, now we're just making new progress every week. So we're just keeping filming every week. So we have a ton of footage and, I've been um, interviewing video editors and I'm just trying to put together a good team and get the trailer out and just show, you know, where we were at before, everything that we've done along the way, where we're at now. We've got an all-star lineup of experts um, from all around the world that are going to speak in this film. And it's going to be really exciting, um, you know, to show, to show the world, you know, what they can do. Um, mm-hmm. and that autism is treatable and that there, and gives these parents hope, you know? Um, so it's really, really exciting. Um, if anybody wants to sign up for updates, they can do so on our website at leavingthespectrum.com. And I hope to have the trailer out really soon. Mm, amazing. Really, really amazing. You're definitely a pioneer. Gosh, it's so it's so exciting. Um, one of the one of the families I've been working with, she said that she had never heard of any of this before me, um, you know. And then she started doing her own research, and I just knew when I talked to her that she she reminded me of myself, you know, just of how determined she was and how much she believed. And she recently wrote me a testimonial and just said, you know, she had tried every therapy under the sun before. And then when she did gaps was when everything changed. And her son started looking at her. Her son started talking. Her son's now communicating with her. And now they're, out, they're going out to places. She said, you know, they went out to a restaurant two weeks ago. And they went to her friend's wedding a month before that. And he danced on the dance floor. And wow. she's like, I never would have even been able to take him to these places before. Um, so things like that, I mean, it's just, there's nothing more rewarding than helping someone else, you know, get their child back and feel that like I have. Wow. 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 Mm. So, so incredible. It's exciting. I, and I see a lot of things changing. I see a lot more information coming back, coming out there on the scene. But, you know, I really put a lot of blame on these doctors that are stripping hope from these families, you know. Um, so I just hope to see things change real soon as autism is now an epidemic. And like you were saying that the CDC says it's now one in 68. That's actually really old data. Mm-hmm. If you look on their website, it's taken from 2012 and it's only based off of eight year olds. So you're only counting children that were born in 2004. And earlier, so they're not even counting children born in the last twelve years. Mm. Um, and at the rate it's rising, you know that's questionable in itself. Why they haven't updated the data in the mm. last four years? Um, but it's rising faster than anything else right now. Um, they say if it continues to rise at the rate it has been, which let's pray that does not happen. Um, it'll affect 80% of boys by the year 2030. Oh my gosh. So I hope this information gets out there fast. I hope people start preventing it with, I think maternal diet is, you know, really important. Um, gosh, I just hope that the information can get out there so these kids can start healing. 
Because, I mean, it's going to be detrimental to society if it continues this way. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's actually a form of genocide when you really think about it and you really think about the vaccinations that are being pushed um, and the obvious scientific correlations that they're not theories, right? These are these are provable evidence based um, conversations. And, you know, like people like you and many other people out there that are really taking a stand and being a voice for this message and relentlessly getting out there, it's, it's actually a service to humanity. Most definitely. Um, it was just, vaccines were just mandated in California to go to school, and that is just heartbreaking to me. I just, you know, and it's going to, it's adults next. Now it's teachers and um, teachers and parents. If you volunteer at a school, you have to have all your vaccinations. And, you know, when I was a kid, we got five vaccines at five years old before we entered kindergarten. Now they're getting look, 36 by the age of three. I mean, it, it's scary. Why? You know, why? <laughs> and then you look at the ingredients. That's the uh-huh. one. When you really look at the actual ingredients that are in a standard vaccine or a measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine or any of these these things, like you actually go and do the research the cocktail is absolutely, um, it's unfathomable. It's literally, you can't even understand on any level, even if you're a chemist or scientist, it's like, wait a minute, what is that? You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. we really, we, this is like an impetus for us as a human race, especially in America, to start exercising critical thinking um, and not to take, not to take like a, um, you know, to p- a passive role in our life, we really, really need to start stepping up and start exercising um, our ability to question what is coming to us. Most definitely. I mean, I was heartbroken when I found out that I allowed them to inject into my ch- my four-month-old baby um, monkey kidney cells, guinea pig DNA, aborted fetus Fetal, yeah, mm-hmm. DNA, <laughs> mercury. Alum- I mean, you look up what those, like you said, scientifically, you look up what those ingredients due to the human body and it's it's very very scary what's going on yes yes uh so that's why we're doing this show and that's why we're 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 both and many many other people in the world are just so dedicated and relentlessly putting this information out there to get to as many people as possible it's it's almost like i i I used to think about like we really are we're in a we're in a race against time in a way like we're trying to educate people quicker than they're being dumbed down. <laughs> that's that's hilarious, but yes, it's so true. And I want to also say a lot of people, you know, hear you know the word vaccines, which I try not to use, but it's just part of the story. It's just part of my yeah. truth. It's part of our experience. Yeah. It's what happened? I, you know, I. It, that's the, that's the thing. Happened. It's it's what happened, and and um, I understand you know your hesitancy, and and I totally respect that. But me personally, I I don't have that. I'm I'm actually one of those other kind of activist voices on my end of the thing, and I'm willing to um, not necessarily like hijack this interview with it, but to but to be a voice for it because. Um, just like autism in your case and vaccines and many other things, they still, they require, um, passionate voices, um, to present to people. Most definitely. And just, you know, so many people hear that word and they, 
and they dismiss anything else you have to say because they say, oh, the studies proved there's no link. Well, people need to know that, you know, there's already been a whistleblower that they trashed, you know, the real scientific studies that showed that there was a 340% increase in autism when the MMR was administered under three years of of age. It just wasn't published, (laughs) you know, so... I just want to get that out there yeah. <laughs> because no, no, um, absolutely. You know, so many people hear that word that they've, like you said, been dumped down by, you know, by something they've read, you know, or heard. And they're just not critically thinking. They're not doing their own research. And um, so I'm just so appreciative for you to get this message out there to more people so we can help save these children and help heal them and prevent, you know, other families from having to go through this. Mm -hmm. Rebuild society, essentially. Most definitely. Mm. Well, thank you so much, so, so much for being on the show, for your passion and your courage. And for everyone listening, where can they find out more about you, your, your Facebook group, your website, all that? Yeah, sure. Um, I go by Lindsay Carey. It's L-Y-N-D-S-Y-K-A-R-R-I-E. And you can find me on Facebook. I also have a website where I share our whole story, lindsaycarey.com. Um, leavingthespectrum.com for updates on our documentary. And I share healthy, real food recipes at realyummyfood.com as well. Mm. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for joining me. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us for such a powerful, such a vulnerable, and just such a real conversation on a really important topic that each one of us just needs to wrap our head around um, in some way or another. So I really appreciate you, Lindsay, for coming on. And I appreciate all of you for listening to this interview and educating yourself and empowering yourself and continuing to do so with all the podcasts that we put out there and all the amazing information that's available to you at your fingertips. So thank you so much. And this has been another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. We will check in with you guys on the next episode. Aloha.